Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. You can know the Word so well and just become someone that is, I mean, you know so much of the Word, but you don't have the heart of the Word. You know it knowledge-wise, but you don't know it in a devotional heart way. People like that become very haughty and arrogant and they're not very I know people that know the Bible very well they don't they don't have no love how do you know this book is about love so well and you have no love where's your compassion where's the where's your soft spot where where's the tender mercy it grieves Jesus when people know the word and know him but have no love for others as it is written in the scriptures they will know we are Christians by our love If you know the word of God, but don't have love for his people and his creation, then you've missed his message. Jesus came to this world to die on the cross for all because he loved us so much. Join Pastor Bill today as he asks important questions about the condition of your heart. Does your love for Jesus overflow into the love for others? Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 8 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. First Corinthians, um, we're making our way through for you guys that have been trekking along. The last two studies were kind of specific. Um, you know, Paul is addressing specific concerns that first he, he has concerns that he had about the Corinthian church. And so in chapter five, he said, you know, I've heard that there's gross sexual immorality among you guys. And he dealt with that. Uh, then they had questions for him. And so in chapters six and seven, he's been addressing some of their concerns Chapter seven, pretty much we did a whole study dedicated to those of us that are married, the first half of first Corinthians seven. And then we looked at uh, also for those of us that are single, the second part of first Corinthians seven. And today is kind of a unique thing um, as Paul is dealing with them on an issue that doesn't really. Um, I was looking at this. It's not really something we deal with today. So and I want to give background just so that you know what Paul is talking about. So it's not weird. So before we even look at it, uh, they asked Paul questions about meat that have been sacrificed to idols Um, in the area or in the city of Corinth. They have many false gods called idols. We call them idols. The Bible refers to them as idols. An idol is just a false God. It's not really a God. It's a God to someone. They've they've erected it as a God. They worship it as a God, but it is no God at all, but it's an idol. And but they had temples erected to various idols and as part of the worship in the temples it's interesting that the pagan idols had taken kind of pieces from the worship in Israel and so the, they had temples erected to the false gods they offered animal sacrifices up to the false gods and then like for you guys that are studying numbers with us um, in numbers after the sacrifice would go up to the Lord who would get to eat something the priests and the Levites, those that served there in the temple. Well, it's the same. They are doing the same thing here. Um, the priests, the people in the temple would get some. Um, and then there was a portion left that they referred to it as shambles. And that portion left would be sold in the local meat market, but at a great discount. Um, so for you ladies who like a good deal, for you ladies that like, look, there's there's two tenderloins here. You know, um, you know, this was going to be the better deal. It was no different. Um, it was, you know, there was no difference in the value of the meat. There was no difference in the taste of the meat. The only difference was this particular meat had come from, uh, you know, it had been previously offered and sacrificed at the temple over here. And now it's over here for sale. So the issue that was they were having in Corinth was some believers were 
stumbled by this. They felt like there was a group that felt like it's no big deal. It's just idols ain't nothing. I'm going to eat that. I'm getting the cheap meat. I'm getting my bargain. All right. Then there was another group over here that was like that meat was sacrificed to an idol. That's not that's that's defiled. It's not right. Um, And they would be very stumbled by. The group over here that was like, I'm eating that. You come to my house. It's on the barbecue, right? Which, where'd you get that meat from? I got it from Diana's Temple on Westway. You know, it was a great deal, you know? So there was beef. And this is what I want you to note, right? One, we know about the Corinthian church that they were a very carnal church. And it's always interesting to me that people that can be so carnal in the important areas can be such sticklers in the unimportant areas. You'll find that many times people that they want to hem you up about this minor thing in the big in, in the big scheme of things, they're 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 blowing it. No conviction about general things. And we want to be cautious about being those kind of people. But what Paul deals with, even he's taking this issue and he's going to deal with something that needs to be the heart of the mature believer is how do I deal with that weaker brother or sister? Because they're going to be called the person that has the issue. The scripture looks at them as the weaker believer. There's a couple ways that can be dealt with. You can look at them like, man, you need to get over that. I'm eating this meat. You know, you can have some or not. Um, And we're going to see that that's not really the heart that Paul had or or that we should have. And so in maturity, we're going to learn in this chapter how we should deal with someone that's maybe struggling with some liberty that we we understand that we have. So chapter eight, uh, look at verse one. It says, now concerning things offered to idols. We know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And I love as he he gives out this opening statement, right? Before he really gets into the ticky, ticky, tacky stuff, he says, hey, guys, I'm I'm writing to you now. We're talking about we're going to deal with this thing concerning idols. But he says, first of all, I want you to know this, that knowledge puffs up. What does puffs up means makes you proud, makes you arrogant, makes you full of yourself. Knowledge all by itself just puffs you up. You'll be proud. You'll be arrogant. You'll think you know it all. That's what you'll become. He says, but love edifies. And so we already know where we're headed, right? We're not, we're not headed toward being puffed up. We're headed toward edifying other people, which is going to happen through love. So I would just say this out the gate because we're, we're a word church. Uh, we're a church that's in the word. We study the Bible. And what can happen to someone that just knows the word? You can know the word so well. And just become someone that is, I mean, you know so much of the word, but you don't have the heart of the word. You know it knowledge wise, but you don't know it in a devotional heart way. People like that become very haughty and arrogant. And they're not very, I know people that know the Bible very well. They don't, they don't have no love. How do you know this book that's about love so well? And you have no love. Where's your compassion? Where's the, where's your soft spot? Where, where's the tender mercy? Where's the real fruit? I, I'll take a, I'll take a believer that knows a little bit of the word that he believes and lives by than someone that knows the whole book and has no heart for God, no, no love for his brother or sister, no compassion. And so we want to be reminded of that. How do I make sure? Because it's not, it's not discouraging us from being men and women that seek knowledge. Knowledge is a good thing, but it's got to be balanced and tempered with love. And so, um, two verses, if you're writing those, write these down, how we make sure that we don't become just puffed up in knowledge. James 1.22, James says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So he says, don't be just hearing it, do it. Do what you're hearing uh, or you'll be deceiving yourself. You know, and, and that's an interesting thing. Like, how, 
How does just hearing it but not doing it deceive me? This is how it works. I've seen it many, many times. I've been in counseling with it where you're telling someone that's not doing something what the Bible says to do. And I already know that. And they're saying, I already know that. Like, this is you're not helping me. Give me something I don't know. I'm like, bro, I'm telling you what you're not doing. You're here right now because you're not doing that. All right. But what else, though? Ain't nothing else. I got a new word for you. You know that right there. You know, I'll never forget. I did a marriage counseling with a guy whose wife set up the appointment because he was a jerk. He was a jerk. And it was verified once he sat down that he was a jerk. And we sat down and this guy knows his Bible. And he started, I started, I took him to Ephesians 5. And I said, well, let's show you Rod. Look how he's talking to his wife. He's all rough and harassing. I'm like, love your wife like Christ loved it. And he, I remember he stopped me. And he finished the verse for me. He says, you going to tell me? He, he wanted me to see. He told me to tell him something else. I said, no. This is the problem, right? This is, you just know it. But you don't know it. You're not doing it. She's here begging. Your wife made an appointment with somebody else begging to get you to a place where you would love her like this. And you're sitting here quoting the verse, but you don't know it. We don't want to be that. Amen. I don't want to be that. that. That's bad. That's really, really bad. So. When he says, be doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving yourself, that's the deception that you're walking around like, I know that, I know that, but it's not manifesting anywhere in your life. Um, we don't want to be that guy. And then second verse, if you write notes, write down Hebrews 5, 14. Uh, the writer of Hebrews was telling them that, you know, they, they should have matured beyond where they were by the time he came. He said, man, you guys should be, you should be eating meat spiritually, but you're needing me to give you milk again and go over basic doctrines again. And he said this in Hebrews 5, 14, he says, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age, speaking of maturity. That is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. The idea is this, those who by, by use, that means that they've been using the word. That's how you grow in maturity. When you take the little bit that you learn and you begin to do it. God, you're showing me how to walk in love. Let me start walking in love. You tell me to forgive. I'm going to forgive. Everybody I need to forgive today. Lord, you're speaking to me about whatever God's been speaking to you about devotionally and at church and everything else. That's how we begin to mature and we grow um, to where we don't become people that are just puffed up. So um, I wanted to say that real quick because I, I never want to put down growing in knowledge. And I don't think the scripture does either. The Bible and many other places encourage us to grow there. But if you just grow in knowledge and that's it, you're going to be a mess. You're going to be a detriment to the body instead of a blessing. So we want to grow in knowledge, but we want to be tempered with love. Amen. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And then he says in verse two, and if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. Anybody here know a know it all? Anybody here know someone that just, I, I know everything. I, I know everything. I just got it all together. God, if, anybody, if, you, if you're that person, well, you just know it all. Can't nobody tell you nothing. The Bible's telling you you don't really know nothing at all. You don't really know nothing at all. Because you know what happens? The more this thing you know, the more humble you become, the more you realize that, man, I'm, I'm just getting going. I'm just scratching the surface. The, the closer you get to God, the more you realize, the more you'll see how undone you are. You don't get close to God and get cocky. You don't get closer to Jesus and become more, more arrogant. You don't, you don't get close to Jesus and become looking at yourself like, I've really got it together. The closer you get to him, the more you realize that, man, I need help. I'm not all that. I don't have it all together. I need him. You become more, the closer you get to him, the more dependent you become. That's one of the greatest indications that you're growing in your closest to Jesus is you'll be a lot humbler. You'll be a lot slower to shoot other people down because you, you, you're too busy working on yourself. 
You're too busy in the mirror of the word to be pulling out the microscope and judging everybody else. So God's working on you and you'll be transforming as you do so. Um, So he says again, if anyone thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. Verse three. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. If anyone loves God, he is known by him. And I just want to pause there. That's the goal. Right. I want to know God. I want to be known by him. Uh, God said he might love God and he's known by him. That's the goal. The goal is intimacy with Jesus is that we be close to him. Why does Paul open up this this issue with these things? It's, he's almost I believe he's, he's laying out with the, the with the Corinthians are missing. They got knowledge without love. They're missing that they're, they're They think they know, but they really don't know. They're missing that. And here God says, look, if, if anyone knows me, I'm sorry, if anyone loves God, then he'll be known of God. Right. And it's the love of God that's going to it's going to transform how we treat others and how we deal with these sort of things. So now look at verses four through six. It says, therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in this world and that there is no other God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us, there is one God, the father of whom are all things and we for him and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things are and through whom we live. And so now as we look at this section here, Paul says, look, concerning the eating, the eating of things, sacrifice, the idols, he says, look, we, we know we have knowledge of the fact that the idol is really nothing. I, I know that already. I know that the idol is really nothing. It's not doesn't really exist. It's, it's a false God. And I want to bring this home for us because we don't live in a culture like the Corinthians in that sense. We do live in a very idolatrous world where people worship things that are not God, where people elevate things to a place of worship that are not God. But it's not the same way that they did it here. Um, I don't know that we're, you know, crafting idols and, you know, shaping them and putting them on our desk and, and worshiping. There are some people that do that. You know, when I look at something like that, you know, Buddhism, I'm like, that's that's I know Buddha is not a God. I don't revere Buddha. Anybody go eat at a Chinese food place when you walk in the door, there's a little fat fella right there. You know, <laughs> sometimes they got cabbage in front, incense on his hands and what, whatnot. So something like that. When we walk in there, would we say, well, no, nah, I'm not eating there because look there, there, you know, some of my proceeds are going to go here. And I, I'm going to just I'm going to set everybody free. Right. Because we all take God's money and spend it. You be spending that Chevron. They ain't using that money for God. Bonds, food for less. They ain't spending that money for the Lord. If you got shoes on your feet, you pay less, Nike, whatever. Them companies don't honor God. If you got Levi's and button flies and whatever you got on, it's just nowhere you can go where once you spend the money, it's, it's if you buy Folgers or Starbucks, it's going to a, a secular, you know, it's going out that way. So I know some people get really, you know, tense about these things and it's not the best way for us to spend our Christian experience. Amen. And so if you're one of those, you know, I had a lady one time that actually had pulled up a list. It was a list on the website and it was sharing all the companies that would support um, abortion and, and gay rights and so forth and so on. And she was like, you know, you know, you should go to the congregation and tell people not to support these companies. I said, ma'am, she actually at the moment that she walked up to me had on shoes and uh, a, a, she had shoes and a sweat jacket on that were made by two separate companies that supported the same thing. I can't I won't bring people under that kind of legalism. I don't believe in it. You know, I don't believe in it. So anyway, back back to here. He says the idol is really nothing, right? So the the truth of the matter is the idol is nothing. It's not real. It's a false god. 
Um, and even if there some are so-called idols, he said, or so-called gods, rather in heaven or on earth, um, as there are many gods and many lords, notice that they're both lowercase. When he says many lowercase gods, many lowercase lords, that means they're not real. It's not the real, true and living God. I did want to point out, though, and, and um, it's not here, but in chapter 10, verse 20, he does let them know that, that there is demonic activity behind this. I'll read it to you. And first Corinthians 10, 20 says, rather the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. So um, the people that are part of these sacrifices, you know, what's behind idol worship? You better know it's demonic. Um, and, and I got to say this, right? One thing that Satan does masterfully is steals that which belongs to God. That's what he wants. That's how come he got kicked out of heaven. He was in heaven, you guys. The Bible says he was the anointed cherub that covered. That means he had authority over other angels. It says that in his in his being were trembles and pipes that God had made. And that's why people say he was a worship leader of heaven. He was made with musical instruments in his being. He was a powerful angel, a high ranking angel, a cherub that that covered. He had authority over other angels. I believe that's how come he was able to lead some astray. But you know what he said? It says that he got lifted up in his own heart. And instead of being content to to lead others in worshiping God, he says, I, I will ascend. I'm, I'm going to be like the most high. I'm going to ascend into heaven. I'm going to. And it's a, it was all the I wills of Satan. And after he finished saying all his I wills, you know what God said? You will not. And he was thrust out. Boom. And he took a third of the angels with him. But notice this. He took everything he had with him. So what did he want then is what he wants now. I want to be worshiped. I want worship that belongs to God to come to me, Satan would say. So when you're down now, we're here on the earth realm and we look at all these things that rise up and they draw worship. And, and we know they're demonically inspired. Satan is behind the people. God is. He, I believe that Satan is thrilled when he can get human beings to worship something that's not God. When they can go after and, and, and worship. And I mean worship. And I, I sometimes I've looked at secular concerts and I've wondered if there was a spirit behind, and I, I hope I don't, I don't want to ruin y'all day, but I've looked at secular concerts and I'm looking at people running and fainting and just crying and they ah, just, just, I mean, they spend however much money. I mean, it's, it's worship. There's no amount of money they won't spend to get a ticket to be in the front. They just want to, they don't want to touch him. They want to touch him. Like, like when Jesus walked the earth and people just wanted to, they're doing that to people because they can sing. You can't sing that good for me to run behind you. I want to touch you. <laughs> if I like it that good, I'll buy you a CD, you know. It's, that's worship, you know. And so I wonder sometimes when I watch this, not just because of people's reaction, but when I also look at what they're singing about. And I wonder how much of that is the enemy behind. He's had his hand in music for quite a while. So um, that's just a little tidbit some of y'all be careful about. So, But these idols... Yes, what's behind them, it is demonic. Uh, that's what's drawing people in and everything else. But in reality, they're nothing. Uh, they're nothing for us to be tripping off of, to be worried about. It says here, they are nothing. When you know the true and living God, that everything that's not God is nothing. And so do we need to be afraid? No, they're nothing. Right? We're connected to God, the living God. All power and authority is in his name. We don't have to worry about it. We're, we're, we're beyond that in that sense because of who Jesus is in our life. And so now verse um, verse six said, yet for us, there is one God, the father of whom are all things. Everything came through him and we are for him. Are you guys for him? Amen. Amen. And one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we live. That's us. That's where we that's where we camp out at. 
We're under the lordship of Jesus Christ. The God of heaven and earth is our heavenly father. We're, we're submitted to, surrendered to him. There's no authority above him, no power above him. The Bible says he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. That means there's no authority that would trump his authority. He's all, he's all authority in the world. And the verse seven says, however, there is not in everyone that, that knowledge. Everybody doesn't know this. There's not in everyone that knowledge for some with consciousness of the idol until now eat it as a thing offered to an idol and their conscience being weak is defiled. Now, from verse seven to the end of the chapter, you're going to see the word weak five times. So I want to take a moment to explain that God is calling the God is calling the believer that's stumbled by the knowledge that this food was sacrificed to an idol. They they're kind of troubled by this. God said this is the weaker brother. This is the weaker believer. And I don't believe it's said to put them down, but it's said to identify that this is a weaker believer. This is someone who they're in a weaker place. Now, the question we might ask is, how come some believers are weaker than others? And I'm going to offer three, three reasons. Some people are weaker because they're, they're just they're baby Christians. They just got saved. Um, they don't know very much yet. They, they haven't had time to grow in the, the knowledge of the grace of God. And so sometimes you should might first get saved and they're very legalistic. They put up all kind of borders. And I, I'll say this. When I first got saved, I was a legalist, but I needed to be, you know, because I was going to be and I, I, I was bad and I needed all kind of I needed, I needed laws and restrictions and rules and everything else. So when I first got saved, I, as I grew, you know, some of those things came up. But I tell you, when I first got saved, I, I was you know what happens when you, you're a new believer? You keep failing. And then when you fail, you're like, okay, well, I'm going to make sure I can do that again by putting up this wall. And then I put up a wall here. Boom. That, that eventually, you know, you fail in something else. Boom. I put, before I look around, I got walls all around me. And I guess if I just stay still like this, I won't sin. You know? But then, <laughs> then I start thinking bad thoughts. You know? So, you know, that's what you do when you first get saved, having grown in the knowledge of the grace of God, which really will set you free. Um, and so there was a period in my life where to keep me from doing things. I, I remember when I first, you know, got with my wife, I was like, I can't go to the movies. And, you know, some of you guys said, why not? <laughs> be, I'd be embarrassed to tell you why not, but my mind was bad. I don't need to be at the movies. I don't need, I don't need to see stuff. I need to, I just need to go to church. We need to go to church. We'll go to church together. Um, now I've grown. I can go enjoy a movie now. Everything's all right. But for me, honestly, when I first got saved, that was an issue. I, I went to a movie. I went to, I went to, um, it was Saber Private Ryan came out after I got saved. War movie. No, no freaky stuff. You know, just a war movie. This is what happened. I kid you not. This is when I said, I can't do it. I went to the movie. I enjoyed it. It was a good war movie, but it was intense. It was like, oh, this war and all this action. And I remember as I walked out the movie, now I'm saved for a little bit. I'm doing pretty good in my walk with the Lord. But as I walk out, and it's like a group of people coming in, and I just felt like I wanted to do some aggressive stuff, you know, so I'm staring at the guy and I'm looking at the guy. I don't know. And I'm thinking afterwards, I'm like, why did I do that for? Like, where did that come from? And I realized that that movie had stirred me up. And I was like, I'm walking out to the want to go to war. Who's going to fight? You know, but I'm saying, you know, so that was me. You know, I, so I put up, I said, no movies, you know, no cable, no movie channels. I'm too much of a sinner. I can't handle it. I'm going to sin. And, um, and so for some people, that's why they're, they're, they're weaker believers. They just, they, they just got saved. And so they gotta, they're doing what they can do to kind of, you know, keep themselves restricted. And, and that's okay. You know, there's a period in time where people need to grow in the grace and knowledge of God. And we walk them through that. So um, that's one case. Um, another case, and this is the one that I think is most disheartening. 
Some people are weaker believers because they won't grow, won't study the Bible, won't be disciplined to have a devotional life, won't come to Bible study, won't have regular attendance, won't change fellowship with wrong friends, uh, fellowship with believing friends, and so they stay stuck in a backward state. Thanks for joining us here on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians. This letter was written by Paul to the Corinthians sometime after he lived in Corinth. He had an intimate knowledge of the church there, and so he felt compelled to write a direct letter to address the things that were happening among the believers there. The things he wrote about showed that there were problems in the church then, just like there are issues in churches today. Even among believers, there are real sin issues that can derail an entire church if those areas aren't dealt with. Are there areas in your life today that you know need to be addressed? If you need someone to talk to or to pray with, we're here and are ready to answer your call or text. Our number is 310-245-4811. That number again is 310-245-4811. We're so glad you tuned in to A Transforming Word. We'd love to meet you. If you're in the Inglewood area, come join us this weekend for church. We meet at Calvary Inglewood every Sunday. And you can get more information on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. There, you'll also be able to learn more about this ministry and listen to additional teachings from Pastor Bill. Again, that website is calvaryinglewood.org. That's all we have time for today. Join us next time as Pastor Bill continues to teach through 1 Corinthians. We look forward to another edition of A Transforming Word.